When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is the SAG-AFTRA strike? What demands are being made by Hollywood actors? And how much longer is the strike expected to last? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Summer of 2023 will be remembered as the summer of strikes for the entertainment industry. And unfortunately, it looks like we may also be headed for an autumn of strikes. On July 14th, 2023, members of the SAG-AFTRA union went on strike to protest some major changes within the film and television industries. We're talking fair wages, changes to residuals, and the use of artificial intelligence. The SAG-AFTRA strike began shortly after the Writers Guild of America began their strike, which lasted from May 2nd all the way to September 27th. Of course, people on their couches have been hoping for things to get back to normal so they can tune back into their favorite shows. But with the negotiations between the union and studio execs suspended, it might be a while until we all get that entertainment that we've been wanting. So how has the strike impacted union and non-union actors? How are our studios responding? And where do we all go from here? Joining me back on the podcast to help shed some light on the topic is media and entertainment reporter with the Wall Street Journal, Joe Flint. And Joe joins me now. Joe, I told you at the end of last podcast that I was going to have you back on, and I'm a woman of my word. So thank you for coming on again with me to talk about SAG-AFTRA. Thanks for having me, and I hope I can help. Well, you were so good last time, so I'm glad this this worked out. And um, we talked about WGA but now the actors are getting involved. Uh, can you break down everything that's happening right now? Well, that's easy. Right now, nothing is happening. Uh, talks <laughs> broke down a week ago. The coalition that represents the, uh, the studios and the streamers, it's uh, called the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTP for short. Uh, they basically walked away from the talks uh, with the Screen Actors Guild Basically, the, this gets a little complex, but we'll get into that in a minute. But in a nutshell, the Screen Actors Guild is seeking more than the companies want to give. And then we can touch on just what that is and how we reach this point. Perfect. Let I do want to get into that in one moment, but um, can you explain the difference or how they are related to SAG and AFTRA? Because I feel like so many times we hear SAG, everyone knows SAG. But the full title, who, what, what is the AFTRA part? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know there was going to be a uh, math in this. Uh, in, in, <laughs> Too many letters, in Joe. All this. But yeah, I mean, SAG obviously stands for, you know, Screen, Screen Actors Guild. And AFTRA stands for essentially the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Uh, so that can include... That could include DJs. It can include people who work in TV news. So that's why it's funny. You will see a number out there. People say there's 160,000 members of SAG on strike. And 
I say there's 140,000 in my stories because not everyone in SAG-AFTRA is on strike. The actors portion of it is, and that includes anyone sort of affiliated with, you know, scripted content, be it stuntmen, be it, uh, you know, could be dancers, that sort of thing. But not, not everyone is, is on strike. Uh, if you're a member of, of AFTRA, you, you may not be on strike. If you work in TV news, you're not on strike. So that's, that's kind of the difference. That's uh, sort of the difference. So the, the Screen Actors Guild is obviously the biggest portion of, of SAG-AFTRA, though. So for the sake of this podcast, if I say SAG is on strike, is that accurate? Or do I say SAG-AFTRA? I mean, technically, technically, you know, we tend to write SAG-AFTRA in the first, in the first reference and then go with SAG the rest of the way. <laughs> Okay. If you say SAG and, uh, you know, I don't know if Fran Drescher is going to call in and yell at you if you just say SAG. It's a possibility. But I think you'll be okay with just saying the Screen Actors Guild. I think that is perfect. Well, if someone yells at me, I'm going to blame it on you, Joe. Fair enough. Uh, So you touched on it for a quick moment, but let's dive a little deeper into what do the actors want? Where where are those talks falling apart? Well, basically, uh, when the writers did their deal, it included a lot of new, new things. Uh, you know, the writers did pretty well for themselves besides getting raises in the royalties they get, a bigger cut of international royalties, uh, wage increases, and uh, bonuses, basically, uh, uh, you know, based on how shows perform on streaming services, uh, they, can, they can also receive a bonus or even more increased royalty. So that was all well and good. SAG, however, has been pushing, uh, you know, since the, their talks began earlier this year, they want a cut of the revenue. Don't we all, Don't Joe? <laughs> they, their initial ask was 2% of a streaming company's revenue. So, you know, 2% of Netflix revenue, 2% of, of uh, Disney Plus revenue. That's obviously not really going to play well for the companies. They, they, they rejected that. Uh, the Screen Actors Guild then said, okay, how about 1%? <laughs> and, you know, same reaction. So then they came up with a new formula and that would basically try to create a figure, a percentage of their subscription fees. So the figure that they have put out there, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure this figure out all their math and everything. Because uh, it's complex and I am but a simple man. Uh, but basically what they have said is what they're asking for would amount to less than 57 cents a prescriber. Or as Frances Fisher, the actress who's on the SAG board, said in an interview, it's like the cost of a postage stamp. Well, yeah, unless you're mailing, you know, hundreds of millions of letters, then it adds up a little. Um, so that is what they've proposed most recently. That also has been, that's kind of what led the companies to say, okay, time out. We're taking a break and you all need to readjust your reality. Uh, Ted Sarandos, the co-chief executive of Netflix happened to, uh, case of uh, fortuitous timing to be speaking at an industry conference, literally the morning after the studio said they were walking away from the talks and he described it as a bridge too far and a levy on their subscribers. 
uh, you know, their subscriber revenue, like basically a tax. And yeah, that's just going to be very tough to do. And SAG uh, has said, well, we help contribute to this success. So why shouldn't we get a, a piece of the revenue? I mean, that that makes sense. I I could imagine if if I was an actor and I saw my work playing on all these different platforms, especially in the streaming world, I would want a cut of that also. Well, understandable. But the flip side, and, and by the way, I think I'm sure I said this many times when we were talking about the WGA, I am just laying out views here. I'm not telling you how it should be or what it should be. I'm just laying out the various views of the folks involved. Uh, the companies would argue, well, we pay you a salary. We pay royalties in the form of residuals. And now we're even adding bonuses. Big stars often become profit participants. It's not as if there aren't those rewards and incentives. But what we don't do is share the revenue that we generate that allows us to make more programming and market that programming and everything else we need our our money for. So that's that's where the other side would be coming from. I, it's kind of like, um, admittedly, this is someone who's very close to the studios said, but I do think it's a fair analogy. The cast of Friends is getting all that money, right? And they were getting, you know, a couple million an episode. They were profit participants in the success of the show. That means basically, you know, getting, you know, a cut of the money from rerun sales around the globe, all that other stuff. Very well rewarded. But as my friend put it, what they didn't get was a piece of Warner Brothers that made the show or revenue from NBC, which aired the show. You know, they didn't get to take money from everything else NBC makes money from and have it thrown in their pot. So that's kind of where the companies are are coming from. That's a good analogy because people hear a lot about that friend situation and what Jennifer Aniston is making still a lot of money from sure, that show. They all are because, you know, they were fortunate enough to be profit participants and by the way, deserve it. Whatever they're making is a pittance to what Warner Brothers uh, makes off that show, selling it around the globe and, you know, and what mm-hmm. networks made off it. So, yeah, everyone always likes to say, you know, oh, greedy actors and they make all this money. They make what they can negotiate based on the success of their shows. And that's and that's how it should work. But this model that's being proposed, I just think is very challenging. By the way, again, I'm trying not to take sides. So I want to say something, you know, about the actor side and where they're coming from. I get yep. it. I get it. They're trying to. You know, they want to get as much as they can out of these deals. We're in very uncertain times. And, you know, you go for everything you get. And who knows? Maybe maybe somewhere SAG knows, yeah, we know they're not going to give us this. But we push hard enough. Why not They may give us better royalties than they're offering on the table now to make this ass go away. So we really don't know, like, what's a negotiating ploy and what is, no, we must have this. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I this is just a joke. Uh, sag people if you're listening but i often wonder like did they watch that amazon movie air and see how michael jordan got a piece of every curry <laughs> sold and thought that's what we need <laughs> i mean that, that's a great movie yeah. by the way that, wasn't that was an interesting thing to learn. <laughs> yeah it wasn't in perpetuity but yeah i i, I understand <laughs> it but you know the flip side 
is too. Look, most of the people in SAG are working actors. They do multiple jobs. And that's who SAG is negotiating for. And sadly, those aren't necessarily the actors that will would benefit from this revenue share, you know, the sharing thing. Anyway, that's something like a, a top star has an agent and that agent negotiates for a piece of the box office or a piece mm-hmm. of this or that. But the working men and women who SAG represents, uh, you, know, you know, to me, it's more important that they get the best wages they can get, the best royalties they can get. And because they're the ones who really are counting on this union to, um, yeah, deliver that for them and not so much deliver a big royalty package. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I do want to revisit something that you had mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, and it's that not everyone is on strike. So can you be a part of SAG and say, I'm not going to strike? Well, no. I mean, if you are a, I mean, the people who technically are on strike, who are work, uh, you know, in radio or TV news or in other areas of the industry, I mean, they are not on strike because they have different contracts and different agreements. They non-union, those people? It's not that they're non-union, it's that, the only folks on strike right now are actual actors versus radio people or people who work in television news who might be a member of AFTRA. So it's just it's just actors who are who are on strike. And again, that's one hundred and forty thousand people. What happens, by the way, if you are an actor and you are part of SAG and you're working? I know that there's probably no one doing that, but what, let's say I'm an actor and I'm, you know, what, what would what would that mean if I decided to start working well, during the I strike? Mean, I'll, I'll be honest, you've asked me a question. I don't know. I mean, certainly if you started to work in, in a scripted movie or TV show, um, unless it was pre-approved, and there are some small production companies and independent production companies that are getting waivers to continue making movies or small production companies that have worked out a side deal with SAG to work. So there are those exceptions. But if you didn't have one of those exceptions and just decided to show up at a, you know, a, your TV job or, or something like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm going to the set of Young Sheldon and at least I'll film mice. Do they get out of SAG? No. That's what I mean. Like, there's no, you know, you can't. Um, and and we saw what what happened even when folks who are adjacent tried. Obviously, when Drew Barrymore wanted to bring her show back before the writers' deal was right. resolved, we we saw the backlash she took. So so no, I mean, I don't know if that means. By the way, commercial work. I don't believe there's an issue there. If you're an actor and you're doing commercial work or voiceover commercial work, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, uh, that's a separate thing. Um, if you're doing stage work, obviously everyone on Broadway is working. If you're an actor in a play, you're an actor in a play. So it really is just you know movies and 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 TV shows. So those those actors who are non-union, they can work. 
during this time because they're not part of SAG? No, no, no. There may be members of SAG who have waivers to work on certain projects because the Screen Actors Guild has given a waiver to a small production company to continue making its movie because they may have carved out a separate deal. So that's that was going to be my question from what you said is, is why do some television shows get that special waiver? Yeah, well, I'm not aware. Uh, I should be careful. I mean, obviously, there's unscripted shows going on in production, and that's different. Like unscripted shows are their own world. They're not part of SAG. So, you know, your your Real Housewives or The Bachelor, those shows are considered, you know, scripted entertainment, even though we all know there's some scripts there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> those are different. But a scripted show, uh, unless it's got a waiver from 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 SAG saying it's okay for an actor to work on it, uh, they're they're not working. I mean, yeah, that's the mm. bottom line. You definitely hit me as a Real Housewives kind of oh, guy, Joe. D- totally. No, <laughs> I, I know I'm missing something good from everything I hear. It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you also, so obviously I mentioned that, that you and I had a conversation about WGA and towards the, you know, during that strike, I should say actors joined in and they showed support for writers. Are writers doing the same now for actors? Yeah, there's a fair amount of writers out there supporting. I mean, writers technically have been called back to work, uh, but those who aren't working, I know many who are out there picketing every day and supporting the actors or in between their their work, they're supporting them or they're supporting them on social media. So that is happening. And the writers even wanted a caveat that they wouldn't return to work until the actor strike was resolved. That was something they sought in their negotiations. The studios and streamers said, uh-uh, we signed a deal <laughs> coming back to work. Uh, so that didn't work well, yeah. but they are they are in, in support. I mean, obviously, some of them in spirit more than in physical presence, but but there is a lot uh, in physical presence as, as well. Interestingly, you haven't asked me yet, but there are a lot of big name actors who haven't been as visible on the picket lines. Not all. Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad, Malcolm he's been out there. I mean, I'm not saying there's been a shortage, but there's been some super names that you know, might be missing. I don't think anyone's seen Tom Cruise on a picket line. I haven't seen you know uh, pictures of Julia Roberts, but maybe she's there. Uh, but one of the key executive leaders of, of SAG, uh, Jolie Fisher, also also an actress, but she's basically the the vice president under under Fran Drescher of SAG, uh, did an Instagram post bemoaning the fact that there aren't big name actors out there. So that is also interesting. You know, one of the things that SAG and the writers did as well is they they, and this is all's fair in love and war. They would try to divide the studios and streamers who were all negotiating as one. They would say, they would raise the question, why are you all negotiating as one? Netflix and Amazon are in a different business from Warner Brothers and Disney. You all don't have the same interests. You should do side deals. Yeah, they were trying to create tension and disarray within the ranks to try to strengthen their own hand. You know, one could look at at SAG and say, say the same thing. You've got different levels here. And you're negotiating for profit sharing, which will be of little use or help to the dancers, to the stunt people, to the day, you know, to the day actors uh, who are the, your primary concern. Yeah, you know, Mer- Meryl Streep doesn't need SAG to help her get a working wage. So there's a lot of different, you know, issues within the within and different 
you know, sides in the union is as well. And I thought, again, interesting that one of their top leaders was calling out some of the big name talent for not being supportive enough. Well, speaking of executives and speaking of Disney, because you brought that up, Bob Iger has been getting a lot of heat lately. Why is that? Uh, well, you know, the answer is going to be good when you give an exasperated sigh. Uh, I, I don't want to say, oh, poor Bob, he's getting beat up a lot. You know, he's a CEO of Disney. It's very comfortable. He doesn't need my sympathy. Um, no, what, what Bob Iger, yeah, I think if he were here, he might say he could have found a better way to phrase things. But he was being interviewed at CNBC on CNBC at Sun Valley back in July, which for those who don't know is every July, Allen & Company, a small investment bank, you know, herds media moguls and tech moguls and industry leaders and politicians and world leaders into this giant conference in in in, in Sun Valley, Idaho, and uh, and then all the media go there just you know trying to grab any morsel or nugget of news that they can. But anyway, Bob Iger is giving an interview there and was asked about the strike. This was when the everyone was still on the writers were on strike, and Bob said, "I just think." You know, I'm paraphrasing, but something effective, they're not being very realistic with their demand. Now, the problem is one could look at the WGA's demands or SAGs and say, yeah, in some cases they're not being all that realistic, maybe. Flip side is when a CEO of a major company who makes tens of millions of dollars a year and is sitting at a fancy resort surrounded by other millionaires and billionaires and captains of industry and private jets and everything else tells a bunch of working writers they're being unrealistic. It's not going to play well. Mm. Now, <laughs> the flip side to that is, and Bob Iger doesn't need me to throw him a bone either. Bob was very important in the talks that led to a writer's deal being done. There were, you know, all the CEOs are involved, but there was a handful of CEOs that were really very involved for the last like few weeks to try to push this thing through and get it done. And, and, and he was one of them taking a leadership role you know, he has been active in the SAG situation as well. So I'm not saying that hasn't stopped Fran Drescher and others from continuing to beat up on him and other CEOs, whether it's David Zasloff or Warner Discovery or other folks that they, they target. I just, you know, give the full, complete story. But that's why Bob became a punching yeah. bag. I see. Yeah. And you mentioned the media going out there and trying to gather any any nugget that they can. And it is true. Some studio execs are getting uh, more negative attention than others when it comes to what's written about them and the strike. Can you explain that a little bit more? Um, are there are there people who are acting more in the interest of the actors and, and trying to support them? Or or is it just kind of they all obviously are on the side of the studios? I think it's more of a profile thing. Bob Iger is a very prominent, well-known executive. He left Disney, kind of left the way you want to leave a job. Like, you know, talk, you know, mm -hmm. drop the mic, accomplished everything. Company's in great hands. I'm, I'm going off in the sunset. Then he decided, uh, well, he wasn't done yet. Disney was having some troubles and he can come back and save it. So he came back, but a lot of attention is always around Bob Iger. He's been an industry leader for decades and. Yeah, everything. And then at Warner Discovery, David Zaslov is relatively new to the Hollywood game, but since he's been there and you know, his his backers would say he's doing what's necessary, but there's been a lot of layoffs, there's been a lot of cuts, there's been decisions to kill movies, to save money that he didn't think would work. 
if I have to read about Batgirl one more time, I'm you know, going to scream. But, <laughs> you know, he pulled the plug on Batgirl and, and all this other stuff. So he's he's become, you know, an easy villain for the writers, uh, the cost cutter and reality schlepper who's now running the most fabled studio in all of the, all of the entertainment world. So between him and, and Bob, they make they make easy targets. Other executives are uh, don't have that profile and are smart enough not to seek it. Uh, you know, Netflix has been beat up a little as well, uh, certainly, uh, but but not to the level of personal vitriol uh, directed at Iger and Zaslav. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Uh, you, you talk about targets, and it kind of just made me think that sometimes in these strikes. We saw it with WGA that there are sometimes unintended, you hit an unintended target. I mean, obviously the writers are for, you know, they're fighting for what they want as they should, but then you have, you know, the costume designers and and the caterers and and people like that who are getting affected. When it comes to SAG-AFTRA, what happens to the non-union actors? Are they still working or are they affected at all by this? I mean, anyone who's an actor, whether you're, trying to get into SAG or, or not is, is affected because there's no, you know, there's certainly no jobs in TV and movie right now. Nobody is, nobody's acting nobody, right now. There's yeah. no auditions to go on. There's no way to get, you know, you need a certain amount of hours uh, or credits to, to qualify for SAG insurance. So, you know, a lot of people aren't going to hit that, that number. Uh, and to your point, you know, the LA economy has been devastated by the lack of production and not just LA, a lot of production in Georgia, Louisiana, New York, other parts of the country, Canada, a lot of production in Canada that's been shut down. So all these ancillary businesses, not just the ones we think of like hair and makeup and set designers and all the workers who work on a set and and the Teamsters, everyone else, but restaurant owners, restaurants aren't so crowded anymore here. Even even Uber is a little less. People are being more careful with their money. My my hairstylist, you know, I don't do this on my own. My hairstylist, <laughs> He's you know, shut down in, 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 in her business some from clients who pay a lot more than I yeah. do for this. So, yeah, it's been tough on everyone. And it, I mean, the, the writers are obviously now working or unless they're standing in solidarity with the actors. But is it do you think they talked at all like the writers and the actors and the writers were like, you know what, let's why don't we go on strike first and then you guys go <laughs> second? Because it just it does work out that the writers can be writing these shows even when the actors are on strike right but if it was the other way around and there are no actors to actually act the scripts that are written then then it kind of affects it even more well so they just work out that way for yeah i mean the writers it was just the writers are coming back to to work now and in theory trying to outline uh uh, stuff until the actors are back you don't know what you're writing for or and Mm -hmm. by that i mean especially tv writers i mean film writers a little different or if you've been sitting there look whether every writer has honestly put their pen down for the last, you know, the five months or so they were on strike, that when they got home and were done with the picket line, they didn't sit there and think like, you know, and we're like, I've got the most brilliant idea in the world, but I can't do anything. I, I don't know. <laughs> but if you work on a TV show, you know, these things are mapped out, uh, episodes, plots, everything. So if you don't know when the actors are back or how many episodes you might get to do, you're still kind of in a creative limbo. Uh, so it, it's, it's challenging. And the hope was that the actor strike would be resolved maybe by the end of October. And right now, I don't want to say never say never, but given 
that they're not even talking right now and it's October. I don't know. You think it'll be the new year? I mean, you think it'll last all the way? I hope not, but it reaches a point for the industry where just economically they might be able to argue, let's revisit this in January. I'm not saying that's happened. I'm not saying, but I, I, you know, I'm sure, look, there are bean counters at all these companies going, hey, this is great, man. We're saving a lot of money. Uh, you know, yeah. So no, we're not in any super rush to get back. Now that's one side of the company. All the execs and creative people, of course, they want to get back to work. They want to get back to making shows and, and the, they have platforms that need content. So yeah. Well, that's, that, that kind of brings up my next question then. I mean, uh, when will we start seeing the effect of this creative limbo as, you know, selfishly, <laughs> as someone who likes to watch TV shows and movies, when will we start to see that? I mean, that? pretty... Pretty soon, uh, you know, within the next three to four months. I mean, some look, some movies are already being moved and, 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 you know, that were planned to be released this year. They're now being pushed to next year. Other movies that aren't finished yet that we're hoping to be finished to come out by the end of the year may not happen. Uh, there are TV series that are done, but the actors can't be out there promoting them. So their companies are sitting on their, on their hands. I mean, HBO has a new season of True Detective coming with, with Jodie Foster and, and and is and and you know but if they can't get out there and promote it and we're gonna they're gonna sit on that so it will happen that also brings up in case people they didn't listen to the wga episode shame on you first of all i'm just kidding um but if if we kind of talked about this then so when you say actors can't work they truly can't do it they can't go on podcasts they can't if someone asked them to do, let's say, a speaking engagement, they couldn't do that either. I mean, it, what they literally they, have to they do can't nothing. do anything that would be promoted in promotion of a work. So you can go host Saturday Night Live. You won't have a movie to promote anyway, or you know, or something. You can't, you can't like do something in promotion of of work. I mean, we just saw you know Davidson hosted SNL, and uh, you know anything he's got in the hopper at the moment, he couldn't really, you know, do much, do much with. So that's, that's the thing. They're just, they, you know, it's not that they're locked away and gagged, but they can't talk about a current project unless it's a documentary. Obviously Sean Penn was very out there for documentaries done in Ukraine, Ukraine, but that's a documentary. Again, something that gets a waiver. So. What is the docudrama? (laughs) So it's, (laughs) <laughs> I don't, I'm thinking of all the, th- I'm not trying to think of a workaround, but like, let's say I was going to interview someone who was doing a docudrama, but we, we saved the interview. <laughs> well, I'm, trying to, I'm not trying save, to, I mean, you know, we're getting down in the weeds a little here, but I mean, lots of people did interviews in advance, you know, junkets and everything else happened months and months in advance of something coming out. So there were interviews, I mean, you don't see them as much anymore, but where it would say in the story, so-and-so did this interview before the actor strike. So that they're laying out in the story that this actor isn't violating, uh, you know, the code of conduct during the strike. So there were, there was some of that, but I don't think right now they want you out there doing an interview on the hope that in six weeks, they'll be able to run the interview and the strike will be over. Got it. Got it. Um, Okay, so I guess my last question for you is, I mean, what happens now? So that they're not talking, we have to wait until do both sides come to the table with their negotiations and then they start chatting again? I mean, what what is left to do at this point? 
I mean, hopefully, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, the writers thing got into this whole thing. It was just silly of whose turn it was to make an offer. And it just like, really guys, this is where we're at. It's not our turn. It's their turn. You know, it's just like, this isn't helping anyone. So now we've got the situation where the studios have walked away. Uh, uh, but it, then even then, if you call up the studios, they'll say like, well, we didn't walk away. We're just not sending our CEOs to those meetings anymore. But, uh, you know, we can still have some meetings. Uh, to my knowledge, there isn't much going on. Uh, and that just needs to happen again. And, you know, maybe SAG has to say, come back to the table. Or the studios have to say, we will come back to the table. But everyone like looks at this like, well, how's that going to be perceived? If, if SAG asks them to come back to the table, will that mean SAG is going to give up its ask for revenue sharing? And if the studios say we're ready to come back, does that mean they're going to bend? So everyone's caught up in, in image, unfortunately, in these talks. And there's a lot of sort of worry about who's going to say say face or, or not. So we'll see. I mean, I, my hope is it hasn't even been a week yet. It seems a lot longer, but it was only just last Wednesday night. It's Wednesday only been night. a week. Well, it's only been a week since the talks broke up. They broke up a week, broke up a week ago Wednesday. So hopefully they'll get back to the table soon. But I do not attempt to predict in this. I just, yeah, it's not. I'd be wrong. I'd be wrong. You could just say that it's in the shop. Yeah. It's all yeah, good. It's not a matter yeah. of inappropriate or not. I'll just be wrong. Whatever will happen or should happen will that won't happen. So I don't even want to try. Well, you have done such a great job at presenting both sides of it. Maybe they need you in the negotiation room. I think they might get a lot more done. So maybe that's the next podcast we do. What it was like inside of that room. I don't know if everyone on either side would agree with that, but that's very kind of you to say. Uh, Well, once again, thank you, Joe, for coming on and breaking things down. It it is so complicated. So to be able to streamline that and, and put it in the most simplest terms is is really tough to do, but you nailed it. So I appreciate it again. And I, I might have to have you back on for a third time. I mean, third time's always All a charm, right, right? No problem. I'm not going anywhere. All right. If you miss anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about the SAG-AFTRA strike. Number one, Joe begins by breaking down the key body behind the strike, SAG-AFTRA. The striking Hollywood actors are members of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. AFTRA, or the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, is made up of DJs, news hosts, and other people in broadcast and media positions. Number two. As we've seen, the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes overlapped with both entities voicing support for one another. Even though the writers were called back to work, they are to an extent dependent on the actors returning as well because they need to know who they're writing content for, whether or not the shows they're writing for will even be renewed, and what kind of content the studios are in the market for. And number three. The future of the strike looks a bit murky. Talks have been suspended, and Joe expresses that neither side really wants to show their hand. Pretty soon, audiences will start to see the effects of the strike, and while Joe obviously can't give an exact timeline, he gives it about three to four months until we start feeling that lack of content. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the SAG-AFTRA strike. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.